I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company, and uh, we have a couple of very interesting and special guests today from the Bulldog Theatre Ensemble, Akiva Fox and Marshall Botvinnik. Uh, guys, welcome, and thank you for coming. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, can we uh, can we start off with you guys because Bulldog is one of the newer companies in the triangle. I'd love to hear you guys describe how it got started, what, uh, you know, who you are and what what your role in the company is and that sort of thing. Um, maybe Marshall will start first since you're up on the screen right now. Sure. Um, so the company was formed uh, in uh, the aftermath of Man Bites Dog um, reorganizing itself uh, as, uh, as a granting foundation organization and no longer as a theater producing organization. Right. Uh, and uh, there are a lot of artists, theater artists uh, in Durham and in the Greater Triangle area who um, felt kind of homeless uh, as a result of um, that, that change. Um, and so... Uh, a bunch of us came together uh, to see if we could uh, figure out some way to fill the artistic void uh, that was left uh, when Man Bites dissolved. And I think Akiva, um, who's essentially um, our organization's de facto producer, can talk in more detail about kind of how things sort of coalesced from um, there, um, especially from an organizational standpoint. Do you have a, do you have a title, Marshall, specifically, or uh, just one of the company members? Yeah, I, we're all titled as just simply on, ensemble members. Is that, yeah. that's, is that right, Akiva? I think it's, I mean, we're, we kind of have a very horizontal uh, structure. Um, right. uh, so I know my title is ensemble member, okay. um, and I think that's everyone's title. Yeah, that was very deliberate from the beginning. We had a, a sort of come to Jesus meeting when we heard about Man Bites Dog closing. And it was a lot of the sort of Durham regulars and particularly regulars of Man Bites Dog and companies like it in Durham that had either gone by the wayside or started to. And so we got together and one of the things we said is we don't just want this to be another top-down company. We want it really to be a true ensemble. That's why that word is in the name of the company. Right. So from the beginning, the goal was, you know, there isn't one artistic director, managing director, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I end up doing a lot of the kind of producer role, but I think our vision for the future is to spread that around a little bit as well. Right. So in the end, you know, the most important thing for us in all of this was that the void was filled, but the result of that has been we are essentially a production by production company. Mm -hmm. So we have these little fiefdoms. So when someone wants to do a play, they say, hey, company, I would like to do this play. Right. We say, hey, that sounds interesting. And then we form a little sub-company within it to produce the play. Produce the play, yeah. Primarily been... I'm sorry, say that one more time, Akiva. So from the beginning, the goal has been that it's not overly hierarchical. Very good. And um, and you have primarily been uh, producing at the Fruit in uh, Durham, is that correct? Uh, Almost exclusively. We did, a, we did one show last year called The Talk, um, which we had a short run in Chapel Hill as well, but essentially the fruit has been our home from the beginning. Do you know how they're All doing? The spaces in Durham right now available. Right. How are they doing? Uh, I imagine they've lost a lot of rentals and things like that. They're struggling. And I think, you know, almost every venue, not just here, but all over the country, because they have fixed costs, has really been struggling. And the fruit is certainly among them. They lose a lot of revenue, not just in the arts or in the arts production they do but they have a ton of, you know, rentals from Duke, rentals from parties, the things that keep it open for 
other you know, more artistic ventures. And that's all going away for a few months. And that's really hard. So yeah. organizations like The Fruit need support in a big way right now. We, uh, we have, uh, we're in a similar situation. A lot of the, the things that weren't our own programs uh, also have, uh, have disappeared. Uh, is there a way for people to contact The Fruit to, to, to make a contribution there to help, help them stay open? Absolutely. You can go to The Fruit's website. Um, they also have a pretty active social media presence, okay. but they've been asking specifically for donations and support of various kinds to keep open. And that's hard because one of the reasons we started the company in the first place, and one of the reasons why Marshall and I have been advocating for more art support in Durham over the last year, is because we've been losing venues as much as we have companies. And yeah. so if those venues aren't there, where do we perform? Like we're, we are in some ways an extremely lucky company, strange to say, because we don't have a venue, because we don't have those fixed costs, because we don't yeah. have staff. Whereas the fruit has staff, it has a mortgage to pay. And so groups like that, if we lose them, you know, it's hard for us to produce down the road. And Tim, who owns and manages the fruit, has been so generous with the greater Durham arts community. I mean, and he, as Akiva pointed out, he really has used kind of other non-arts events, um, especially the kind of Duke-based parties, um, to subsidize very, very affordable rental space for artists. Um, and that's made our work possible in a way that um, it, it just frankly wouldn't otherwise be um, without, without his generosity and without kind of the unique business model that he has where he kind of uses uh, event rental space to subsidize affordable, yeah. um, affordable art space. They, they do have parties at Duke from time to time, don't they? <laughs> from other they organizations, do. but yeah, that's, that's one of the things that pays the bills. So were you um, were you in the middle of something, or were you uh, in the early stages? I know the roommate closed fairly recently. Um, what were you? What happened? What were you doing when this uh, whole um, epidemic idea uh, started to to come become clear in people's minds? Well, we got very lucky again, and I, I have to say there are a lot of arts organizations out there that are not nearly as lucky as we are. So mm -hmm. we just closed on in mid-February, February 16th, I think, mm -hmm. our previous production, Orange Light, which had done very well and was a real company endeavor. Um, and so we, are, we were in the process of getting ready for our next production, mm -hmm. a show called Peerless, a really fun show. We were looking forward to doing it starting in mid-May. Mm -hmm. At the moment, what it, you know, it looks like... Um, is happening, although no definitive decision has been made yet, is that that will be pushed forward either into the summer or into the fall, depending on how it goes. Mm -hmm. But the cast and crew is still hanging on there. They actually have a first read, an online first read of the show later this week. So the goal is to stay as if we are still producing it because the plan is still to produce it. We just don't know when. Um, so yeah, we haven't really outlaid any money for that yet. We, we've gotten extremely lucky. If this had happened in the middle of Orange Light, we would have been out a lot of money. Yeah. and we would have been in real trouble. So I really count our blessings in this regard. And it's another reason why the fact that we are production to production rather than sort of rolling production has left yeah. us a little more agile than some larger places. Right, that's right. Well, it's not a bad model, uh, especially when you're first starting out. So so that's good, uh, that's good news to hear. Um, what uh, what are you looking forward to uh, with the company? You don't have a, a season, a set season, in the way that some other theaters in the area do. Do you have particular projects you're working on, sort of long-range things uh, that you're thinking about right now? 
Well, we will set our, our season um, over the summer. Um, we do do set seasons. Uh, we just tend to season plan on, um, on the late side um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, but uh, we, we will have a set season announced at some point over the summer. Um, Akiva could probably speak more in terms of um, what irons exactly might be in the fire for next year. I know I'm, I'm scouting out for scripts um, as one of several dramaturgs um, who happen to also be ensemble members. And so um, I've been using some of this downtime to, um, to read more plays. Um, and um, yeah, Akiva, we're, What's your sense of kind of where we are for 2020? Yeah, give us a little t- a taste of what's coming. Uh, we'd be curious. Uh, One of the nice things is, you know, as Marshall mentioned, we read a lot of plays. And there's some plays that we were talking about for last season, potentially, but plays that are on our radar. Because for the most part, what we do is, is newer plays. So plays from the last five-ish years in the American mm-hmm. theater mm-hmm. and existing plays for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's ensemble members who create shows, sort of like Orange Light was this year. So ultimately, like, we have a we have a you know, roster of a few plays that we've been kicking around for a while. Some plays where we couldn't get the rights until now because there were either holds on them or they had sort of just been written and were being produced at a major production. But we have a few things we're looking at. Some of this depends on when Peerless ends up going up. If it ends up being pushed all the way into essentially the first production of our next season, that's something we're going to have to address as well. Mm-hmm. So we'd have, you know, either two or three additional productions to that. We've also been hoping to do things that aren't just regular old theater productions for a while, whether it's celebrations of various kinds, reading series. That's something we had talked about for the spring, but obviously nobody's doing anything right now. So we have a lot of stuff in the hopper potentially, and our goal is to go ahead as if there is no interruption and start planning seasons and then deal with the the fallout as it goes because we can't predict the future in that way. We're all looking at this idea of, of how to push things that, that were spe- supposed to happen in the spring into the summer or fall or late fall. and. Um, I guess uh, with venues being at a premium in, in Durham, um, that's going to be a, a, a dicey, uh, a, a sort of a tightrope for, for you to walk. And are there other companies producing in Durham right now? Um, I know that Little Green Pig closed their doors uh, recently. Um, do you know of other companies that are, that are looking for space at that time or um, advocating for more public funding? Um, I know there's um, a Bartlett Theater um, that um, that works in Durham, um, uh, and Jamika Holloway, um, who's who's also a, a company member um, with us, uh, has has her own separate company, Black Ops, um, as well that that works in Durham. Um, the Women's Theater Festival, um, which always goes up in the summer, has kind of, I think while it initially began in Raleigh, has kind of expanded out um, into Durham. Uh, I know The Fruit had at least at least one production from that festival um, last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, those, are, those are the companies that immediately come to mind for me. Am, am I leaving anyone out, Akiva? There's a few sort of smaller companies or, you know, folks who are kind of producing when they produce. Right. I'm sort of artist-organized events as well, where it's not necessarily a formal company, but they're a group of people who want to produce a play. Um, but again, this is one of the issues in Durham that, you know, we were talking about before there was a crisis in the American art scene and, you know, yeah. a lot of America, which was that, you know, Durham was losing artists, Durham was losing companies, in part because the venues were going away and in part because, you know, that was just, you know, the funding wasn't available or the artists didn't happen to be around or some company had come to the end of its cycle. 
So, you know, our goal after this is over in part is to make sure that we have a Durham that is sustainable for more companies to live in. Right now, there's a real lack of producing companies. Are we learning anything about the, the system, the economic system that we're living in right now, vis-a-vis um, -vis the arts in particular, do you think? Uh, Marshall, you want to get this one? Because I think this, this also talks about some of the stuff we've been doing in terms of arts advocacy mm -hmm. at City Council. Yeah, I'll say this, um, that uh, our system has not invested in sound arts organizational infrastructure. Um, and it hasn't done that on a national level and certainly in Durham, it hasn't done that on a local level ever. Um, and the lack of that investment, uh, I think means the arts community is going to be hit harder than other sectors of the economy um, that uh, at least have a long history of sustained investment that might allow them to uh, to weather this pandemic um, in a way that um, in a way that arts organizations that haven't been able to to build that infrastructure um, just uh, just can't do um, and even within how the arts investing I was reading this morning you know um, one of the few things that Democrats and Republicans seem to agree on in the Senate is the Kennedy Center is going to get twenty five million dollars um, as part of this two trillion dollar package. Um, and look, I have nothing against Kennedy Center. Kennedy Center is an amazing organization. Um, but again, arts investment tends to be concentrated in uh, just sort of a, a few large prestigious uh, institutions um, as opposed to being uh, spread more evenly across um, a wide swath of organizations. Uh, yep. you know, I, in the process of our work with the Durham City Council, we discovered, you know, 2% of arts organizations uh, in the United States receive 57% of the arts funding in the United States. Um, and so, is, is, what that does public, that mean? Uh, is that public subsidy or do you mean, uh, do you include in that uh, monies raised uh, from private uh, donors? Uh, that is public dollars and, uh, and grant foundation dollars. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's uh, a pretty shocking number, um, yeah. So yeah, what I mean, what happens to you know the other kind of ninety-eight percent of organizations um, without that investment? Um, and um, you know, obviously, it's too early to project what things will look like in twenty twenty-one and twenty twenty-two. Um, but it, it's hard not to foresee a scenario in which um, a lot of arts organizations um, across all disciplines end up closing their doors um, as, as a result of this. Right, right. Not to be doomsday about it, but I just, yeah. I, I, I don't see how it won't happen. Well, I think the, the little ones are uh, in better shape, and I use the word little not in a pejorative way, but, uh, but live might be a, a better uh, way of, of uh, describing it. You know, those organizations that, that uh, can shift, you know, that aren't uh, tied down to heavy contracts uh, with unions and things like that. So, uh, so I think you guys are in a pretty good sp spot there. Um, last question for you. Um, uh, are you all healthy? Uh, the, the, everybody in the ensemble is is okay now? Um, that we know of. I mean, yes. we, we've tried to stay in touch, but like a lot of us have, you know, aging parents and young kids. Um, and that's, that's scary as well. So we're, you know, there was a stay at home order in Durham. I think that was a good thing to do. But ultimately, like the, the whole point of this is it's very uncertain. It's mm -hmm. uncertain 
in terms of health, it's uncertain in terms of business. And the only way around it is through it. Um, so I think when we come out the other side of this, you know, we just hope for the best. Um, it's not going to be a survival of the fittest. It's going to be a survival of the luckiest. And it's a great way to like we count ourselves as a very lucky company right now because we can really put ourselves in amber um, and then thaw out on the other side. Um, and that's lucky for us, but a lot of companies and organizations aren't going to be as lucky. And we're really going to need the city and the people of the city to help us restart. Um, and there's other companies that are much less lucky than us that are that aren't going to make it. And that's that's scary. But ultimately, you know, the goal is to keep our health and our safety. Um, and, and we're going to have to remake the world a little bit. And I will say too, in Durham, um, both North Star um, and the Durham Arts Council uh, are doing fundraising to support uh, affected individual artists um, as well as arts organizations. Um, so if folks are looking to make a contribution, um, in addition to visiting the Fruits website, um, I would suggest checking out uh, what North Star is doing uh, and checking out what Durham Arts Council um, is doing um, because they they are doing they are creating some life wraps um, for yeah. people. Um, yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, gentlemen, thank you both for joining us uh, with us today. I appreciate it very much. And, um, you know, break a leg is, is what I can mostly say. And I know uh, you'll be back uh, as soon as this thing passes and, um, and doing the good work that you've been doing uh, right up until this time. Thanks for joining us. You too, Jerry. Thank you. To you as well. And best of burning coal, Jerry. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers.